Hello and welcome back to the F2 show. I'm your host Fraser Ford and joining me to look ahead to this weekend, we have Inside F2 editor LA Wilshaw and Inside F2 writers Anna Blow and Michael McClure. Coming up on the show then, we reflect on an action-packed wet-to-dry feature race. Track limits were a big talking point this weekend. We get our panel's verdict. And do we have a new championship contender? We discuss the battle for the crown. Okay, but before we do all of that, there was some post-race penalties dished out by the stewards in the feature race today. So we're going to perhaps, yeah, go over the, the final standings because there has been a little bit of change. So... Richard Vashaw was disqualified and the t- uh, as the team were not able to provide a post-race fuel sample. And a penalty for Jehan Daruvula as well means that Logan Sargent claims his second feature race win in as many rounds after an up-and-down race for the American. Enzo Fittipaldi inherits P2 and incredibly Roberto Meri gets a podium from P21 on the grid. Unbelievable drive from him. P4 for Dennis Hauger, P5 for Jake Hughes, which is his best result since Jeddah. Uh, a career best result means that Ollie Caldwell gets a brilliant P6 for him. Uh, Awasa, Yuri Vips, Roy Nassani and Liam Lawson round out the top 10. I mean, who would have predicted that top 10? Unbelievable. So now we've gone over that, let's get into it. You're very bored of me speaking. Uh, you're here to speak. To listen, listen to our brilliant guests, so let's speak to them. Uh, we're used to some pretty... Frenetic races in Formula 2, aren't we, LA? But the first 10 laps of that feature race were, wow, they're just, yeah, great. It's what Formula 2 is all about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I I couldn't keep up with it. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I write a few notes as it's going along, and I literally wrote the words, I can't keep up with this, because, you know, you're sort of looking down trying to write, and there's so much going on and so much shifting and changing. Um, and, you know, and even at the end, when they when the result when they were all coming across the finish line um and you know switching 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 and um then it all switched again because of the penalties so it was it was crazy i mean we thought last weekend at silverstone was was a bit nuts but um f2 is just delivering isn't it, it it's absolutely amazing and fantastic you know and, and if you have watched the f1 i think they were trying to copy our formula 2 this weekend a little bit i don't know what you think yeah, I think so as well. They're always trying to copy Formula 2, aren't they? Let's face it. Uh, Anna, welcome to the show. After the sprint race, I was a little bit worried that we might not have too much to talk about this weekend. But my word, did the, the feature race change that? What a race. Yeah, it was an amazing race and there was a lot of action going on. I was I was a bit worried as well after the sprint race. And then when I saw it was met this morning, I was like, this is going to be a good one. And it was. Yeah, the weather really did play a big part in that, didn't it? Michael, obviously uh, in the US, uh, a bit of an early start for you, but uh, was it was it worth getting up for, the feature race this morning? Oh, definitely. I mean, I was up at about 2 a.m. because I also had to watch the F3 race in the morning. So just it was really a good way to kind of wake up. You get the F3 race is exciting. You got all the rain there and then it continued for the F2. And I think it's one of those just really special ones where you get to see not only how these strategies play out with when you switch from wet to dry tires, which one you start on, but also you see a lot of driver skill. And I think we saw a lot of great drives from people who maybe haven't shined as much this season. Um, It was just really chaotic, but it was a a great chaotic mess. So I, I enjoyed it tremendously. It really was, wasn't it? Looking forward to really sinking our teeth into what really happened. But before we do that, let's take a look at the championship standings off the back of this weekend. 
Felipe Drogovic still tops the standings, but he has a new nearest challenger. Logan Sargent moves up to P2 in the standings and takes 21 points out of his lead to close the gap to 39 points. Teo Porcher will still back himself to be in the championship battle. He sits just one point behind Logan Sargent in third. Johan Deruvela, Enzo Fittipaldi and Marcus Armstrong round out the top six. In the team standings, it's game on in the team standings. MP remain at the top of the table still. However, their lead has been cut to just one point by Carlin over Logan Sargent's feature race victory. ART are sitting comfortably in third, but they'll be looking forward as they themselves are only six points off of MP at the top of the standings. Bremer, Hitech and Sharus round out the top six. And as always, the full standings are available on our website, www.insidef2.com. Okay, let's start with our eventual race winner, feature race winner, Logan Sargent. The only driver who started on the wets and really made it work, wasn't he? I'd say, you know, it was it was a pretty good weekend for him anyway, uh, it, you know, without the, the penalty points or the, the penalties and him getting a, a podium and a points finish. But yeah, made even better by the fact that the penalties mean he wins the, the second feature race for, in, a, in a row, LA. Yeah, it's, it is absolutely unbelievable and rightfully so that obviously if the others did did go over track limits and, you know, the penalties that they received, then Logan would have won that race rightfully, you know, in his own right. Um, uh, but yeah, he made those wet tyres at the beginning. Obviously, he did get a, a little bit bogged down. You know, he did lose a, a few places on the start and, and I was a little bit worried. I was I was like, oh no, you know, what what's happening? But then it wasn't long before he was going around the outside of Jack Dewan and even that wet tyre was was working for him uh, once he sort of got going um, and and at the very end you know he sort of said I, I gave it everything and you could clearly see that he did you know even once he did get on onto those slicks um, last weekend at Silverstone you know after that after that race I remember hearing him say something like that was so hard you know again over team radio and he's really is pushing himself to, to get these results to claw these points and it was only last weekend that I was saying that, oh, it was a preview, wasn't it, where I was saying um, that that the other two, you know, uh, Drogovic and Foucher, really need to, to to watch out. They need to watch out for the likes of, of Sargent. And at that particular point, it was Dennis Hauger that were just sort of banging some points in and, and, and banging some results in. And I said, you know, the, the, the top two guys need to watch out for, for these, for especially Sargent coming along. And here he is coming along, a bit like a freight train. And as we've seen in the last two seasons, the outright winner of the championship, it's all come to him in the second part of the season. And where the others have faded away, the champion has has you know got the points every race and shown us what a, what a winner and champion he really is. And I still probably feel it might be just a little bit too early to start talking about Logan being the champion. But based on what I've just said on the last two seasons, absolutely can you know? Don't forget this is Formula Two. So he's my new favourite. <laughs> Sorry, Theo, but <laughs> Logan's my new favourite. <laughs> Logan Sargent, favourite for the championship, LA Wilshire. Big call that is. But yeah, I absolutely love the, the move around the outside of Jack Doohan. Uh, that was brilliant, wasn't it? And he's he's really come into his own in the middle part of the season, hasn't he, Anna? He's, uh, yeah, he's looking in great shape right now. Yeah, recently he's really come in. Like he, he's probably my pick for the championship as well now. Like he's done so well these past few rounds. So he is really, the, the others have really got to watch their back and 
try and take as many points off him as possible. Yeah, definitely. Momentum is is a, is a big thing in Formula Two and in, in motorsport uh, and in any category. But as you say, LA, the the champions are the ones who can carry that momentum into the second half of the of the season. We've seen that before, and you know, Michael, it, it, he has the momentum now, doesn't he? He's really going to be putting the pressure on. Uh, well, Felipe Drogovic, he's moved into second, not not Teo Porsche anymore. It's Felipe Drogovic, isn't it? He's going to be looking over his shoulder. I mean, who would have thought that, right? Right at the beginning of the season, the top two are Drugovich and Sargent. I mean, so many other people had Porcher, Vips, Lawson, even Dennis Howard, Drubo as their as their picks, and we've got we've got these two. So it's it's really quite interesting how it's developed. And one thing I think that that comes to mind, actually, a couple of things with Logan is that he doesn't really make mistakes. We see this with some of the other drivers, a lot of the experienced ones. They're they're making mistakes. They're going off track, using track limits, even getting into crashes, and. And you just don't see this with Logan. I mean, he he tapped wheels with Lawson today. That was a pretty minor incident, I would say. But otherwise, he's kept it clean. If you think about Baku, if we hadn't had that safety car when, when Yuri Vips crashed, Drugovich wouldn't have finished that race. And that would have completely changed the championship picture and, and elevated. I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything for Logan, but it would have closed that gap a lot. So he's really just been clean. And the other thing is these rookies are really coming along. Since about Barcelona and Monaco, I would say, I mean, we've had Hauger, take wins, Vesti's one, Duin's one, Sargent's now taking two wins, Fittipaldi is not a full rookie, but I mean, he's pretty new, he's getting podiums. And 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 we're seeing just this, I think this changeover point where they're, they're finally comfortable with their cars and they're really capitalizing on it. I think it makes for an amazing second half of the season because you really get to see how all these drivers are kind of meshing with their teams and what sort of direction will go for the rest of the season. Yeah, completely agree. The rookies are looking really strong, aren't they? And yeah, how, uh, sorry, um, Sargent has the momentum uh, and it's, it's the consistency as well. And he's been so consistent and Drogovic has also been so consistent. And that's why they're probably the top two in the championship, that consistency. We've seen it before. Uh, but yeah, Richard Vashore, I mean, poor, poor Richard Vashore. Uh, very painful for him, uh, but he can. Wow, well, I, I think he can take a bit of confidence from this weekend, can't he? LA starting P8, he gambled on the slick tires, and it was a gamble that that paid off. Paid across the across the line, P1. Obviously, he didn't quite get that P1 uh, due to the disqualification, but it was a great drive nonetheless, wasn't it? Yeah, one hundred percent. Because you know, he said in in one of his interviews that um, you know, he said let's risk it on on the tire strategy just moments before. I think it was on the grid, you know, or wherever it was that decision was made, let's risk it. And <laughs> it could have been a different story. You know, it could have been been a, the worst story of the weekend that it wasn't worth the risk. But obviously we know sometimes these risks are the, the moments that win these particular races. And that was possibly his instinct, his gut instinct, you know, of knowing uh, knowing his car, knowing his own capabilities so well. And it, I'm, I'm really gutted for him that, that obviously he was um, disqualified because of that, that fuel infringement. And we've seen this before, you know, we, we saw it with Dan Tictum and, and we've we've seen it with other drivers too. Either was it Liam Lawson, um, I think, correct me, nod, shake your head if I got that one wrong. Um, but it, so it's, it's absolutely gutting because... Um, I think we're all we, we're all quite neutral, even though we are sort of championing, championing, you know, one or two. We're very neutral, and we want all of these guys to do well, you know. And if they, if they make a call like that, 
then it's just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, and, and Michael and I were just joking just before we started recording saying, you know, we've both interviewed him in, in the last week. <laughs> and, um, and it's, it's all, it's our look, you know, it's, it's the look of the, the North Americans and, and the North British people that are, that are giving these drivers their wins. So, you know, if anyone wants to win a race in Formula Two, just, um, just, just hit up me or, or Michael. Yeah, perfect. We'll clip that and put it on socials. Any Formula 2 drivers, if you want to win next time out, these are the, these are the guys to speak to. Absolutely. We'll put them in touch. Um, but, um, Anna, we did say that. So 10.8 second win on the road. That's a big a big margin that he won by. Could he have fuel saved a little bit more if he knew that he was in trouble a little bit? Could he have, um, yeah, lifted and coasted on the last few laps? He well, had the space to. And like everyone else behind him was trying to make sure they didn't go over track limits because everybody was getting penalised for track limits and they were all getting warned and warned. So he he probably had the space to fuel save, but it's whether he knew before he crossed the line that he needed to fuel save. It it depends, like, it, I don't know how they tell, the drivers would tell and if the team get that information or what, but it would have, it's a shame that he didn't get the win because he looked fantastic all weekend. And he was really on it in the race and he had the speed and he had the strategy. But it's, a, it's such a shame that he didn't actually get that win in the end. Yeah, I think we're all gutted for him, but he will bounce back stronger. He said on social media he will learn, well, not learn from it, but he will come back stronger. So, yeah, best of luck to him for, for the next race. Uh, Michael, I want to talk about Jehan Darubala, the other um, driver who was penalised in the race, uh, given a 20-second time penalty after a team personnel was dry in the grid spot pre-race. I know rules are rules, but is that a little bit harsh to penalise a driver for, for someone else's actions? I think it's a very difficult one. I mean, you you listen to what the drivers are saying about track limits, penalties, and even all the other things, and, and they're generally pretty understanding of, of when they do need the penalties. I don't know what the deal was in, in Jahan's case in particular, but I think it is the case where they have to, they, the stewards ruling said they weren't sure if it gave a performance advantage, but they just have to treat it as if it did. And I think ultimately they, they have to do it. it. It sucks for the drivers. It really does. Jay drove a great race today. Um, I mean, he had that incident on, on lap one and, and obviously that maybe sort of dented his performance a little bit, but it's, it's one of these things you just need to follow. And it is, I mean, the drivers are the ones that are obviously in a lot of cases paying for the seats um, and it's their careers that are being advanced, but it is still a team sport. And, and these drivers do have to work with their engineers and their mechanics to make sure everything goes right. So it's one of these things, where, you know, you win together as a team, you lose together as a team. And I think this is a case where we're probably lost together as a team and, and they're going to have to take it on the chin and, and bounce back. Drubal is quite far back, not totally out of it. Um, and I think he's had some great performances this year. So I'm sure he can bounce back. Uh, in the next few rounds. Yeah, a real shame for him because that would have been his best feature race finish um, ever since uh, well, since he joined Formula 2. So, yeah, real shame for him. Uh, okay, I want to talk about Roberto Meri. Uh, what a story. P21 on the grid, all the way to second on the road. Uh, a five-second penalty demoted him, uh, but then he was promoted back up to the podium finish after getting a P3 finish. Uh, first Formula 2 weekend uh, in over three and a half years, LA. I mean, that's a pretty unbelievable performance, uh, given that he hasn't stepped in a Formula 2 car for, well, for a very long time. 
yeah what a statement to make to be perfectly honest you know there was there was some doubts about him coming back in and there are people um that that might be sort of new to formula two that that don't know of him um you know he uh he he's floating around within the racing scene you know work le mans and um, but his, his history in formula two is with campos so he does have that connection and maybe it seemed he was the right person for the job um and of course he's standing in for the in injured ralph boschung which we're all sincerely hoping you know can get on top of of his troubles um and we see him again very very soon but it, it was really good to still see that second campus car in uh the race you know this weekend and um you know to see the smiley face of um of ralph's big sponsor there on the side of the car but he was very handy today you know you rightfully said started in 21st obviously the right tires or they were working for him overtaking maneuvers side by side action for from him and it, it's probably one of the the best stories of the weekend to be perfectly honest you know and despite that penalty you know he got a penalty kind of at the time added on served the penalty and ultimately has still finished in p3 such a shame and, and i think if we get the chance we will talk about it later but such a shame to to miss out on those you know not see him in those celebrations um because obviously that would have been the icing on the cake really wouldn't it would have been absolutely would have loved to have seen him on the podium uh he does get on the podium uh in the end he actually could have won the race given that richard vashore got disqualified and he was second on the road had it wasn't for if it wasn't for those track limits or what the track limit infringement that that yeah got him the five second penalty Obviously, he'll be buzzing with the result, Anna, but but will he be looking and regretting the fact that he ran wide in turn one? I mean, it was two laps on the end as well, so close to uh, the end of the race. Will he be regretting that slightly or will he just be absolutely buzzing with the result that he's just picked up? Well, he'll probably regret it slightly, but like if the, the, you can't really help it if you go wide and get a penalty. You just got to then continue dive into the best, which is what he did. Honestly, I wasn't expecting him to get anywhere near the podium or even the points today, but he really did show just what he's capable of. Yeah, great, great result for him. Great story. Probably the story of the, of the weekend, as you say, LA. Um, and also a really nice post on social media after dedicating uh, the, the result today to, to the late Adrian Campos saying how proud he was to, to achieve the result with Adrian's name on the side of the car. Uh, and yeah, obviously, as you say, LA, definitely wishing Ralph Boschong a speedy recovery. Uh, not sure whether we'll see uh, Ralph Boschong or Roberto Meri in that car next time out. But if it is Roberto Meri, definitely looking forward to that. Um, Michael, track limits. Let's talk about track limits then. Uh, what cost um, Roberto Meri that win? Um, we were speaking on the live debrief uh, about it. Um, where we uh, On the live debrief, we go live on YouTube and on Twitch after every race. Um, first, Apex on Instagram said, once again, we need to be clearer on track limits. Uh, other um, people as well saying that track limits have ruined the weekend. Uh, we caught up with uh, Aaron Harper straight after the race, uh, and this is what he had to say. Aaron, I want to talk about penalties. Uh, we have had a, a comment coming in saying, uh, once again, the FIA need to be clearer on track limits. Is that a fair point? And do you think that track limits... I've seen a few comments of people saying track li limits have almost ruined this weekend. Is that is that fair? Uh, no, that's not fair comment to say that the track limits have ruined the weekend because um, 
and I know the commentators, uh, I think it was Jordan King, mentioned this. Most other sports, so let's take football, for example, they play to the white line and not beyond. If the ball goes past the white line, it's a throw in a corner, a goal kick, whatever, or it's a goal. It's defined. It's solid. There's no deviation from it. But in Formula One and Formula Two or motorsport in general, there seems to be an allowance of, well, here's, here's where you can go to and you can have a little bit more. But racing drivers, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So to enforce the track limits harshly, would seem is absolutely the right thing to do because it would then force the drivers to drive the circuit and if they have to slow down a little bit more they have to slow down a little bit more and i think what we've also seen uh looking back to last week at silverstone is drivers taking advantage of that little bit of extra leeway to flirt with danger a little bit too much we saw how nisani squeezed Hauger. we saw what happened to guan yu in the Formula One race, we saw the crazy action uh, following the safety car in the Formula One race. Drivers need to know where the limit is. You can't force another car off the track, but if you are driving a, a corner too fast and you run wide, you risk damaging your car and that risks you know, a crash. So if they know that they're going to get penalized and there's uh, suitable deterrents, not sausage curbs um, in, that, in that respect, then you know it only makes the racing better because it really shows you who is really able to control their car and get the most out of it. And you have to say, Richard Vashaw did that perfectly today because he got himself into a position where he didn't need to exceed track limits, so he could just drive the track. And he was still faster than everybody else at that point. So, you know, he did the best job because he won the race and he stayed within the track limits. So I don't see why there's any reason for anyone to be upset about that because it just... It allows us to see who's who's doing the best job, not who can, you know, take as much risk and cheat most. That that's what you do on a game when you're having a a mess around with your friends. You see who can drive the wildest line or something. This is competitive sport. It needs to be um, appropriately regulated, and this hopefully is the first step in the FIA and race control sort of getting the ship in order. Yeah, so Michael, that's what that's what Aaron has to say. Um, do do you agree? Do you think we need to be consistent with every circuit that we go to, just to avoid that that confusion and that inconsistency? You know, over the winter, I'm pretty sure they changed the the protocols for how they used to the, how they enforce this. Um, last year and in years past, um, they had it sort of on a case by case basis. Every circuit was different, and they had kind of these zones that they were monitoring. So in Austria, it was turn one, it was turn three on that tight hairpin at the end of the back straight, and then turns nine and 10, obviously, which is where most of the violations occurred. And I know last year that caused a lot of issues. They had that F3 feature race. I remember that where it was your sprint race where everybody was just getting demoted. Logan Sargent actually was one who lost the podium in that, um, very ironically. And over the winter, they've changed this. I think there's new F1 race directors. They've changed it in Formula One as well. And it's sort of, I think, coming from the top, trickling down this new set of rules. And now it's just very clearly you exceed the white line, your lap time's getting deleted. And that's how I think it should be. It's it's equal, it's fair for everybody. There's no kind of room for negotiation, really. And speaking to the drivers about it, I think I, I spoke to some of the F3 drivers about it for F1 Feeder Series. All of them were supportive of the new rules, even though many of them lost out from it. F2 drivers, um, hearing from what they had to say, it was the same situation. I think they they all know, they, they appreciate the clarity, and they'll be disappointed if they lose the result. But I think they'd be more disappointed if it was a contest that had some like manipulation or gray area, or if things weren't completely fair. And 
I think that's, you know, I think they've done the right steps to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm pleased with how it's, it's happened. It's a shame that we ha we have all these changes at the end, but it, at least the right, at least it's done correctly. At least no one is, no one is, is in the steward's room complaining long, long after the race. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've said in the past and I'll, I'll say it again, that I think from a fan's perspective, the thing that really yeah, it's quite frustrating is the lack of consistency and the fact that, you know, all four wheels go off the track this weekend and it's, a, and it's you know, you're given a track limits warning. Uh, but elsewhere, we go elsewhere around the world and, you know, all four wheels go off the, 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 the track at one point of the circuit and perhaps it's not an inf it's not an, it's not a penalty. Um, and, you know, you in some places you can go to one corner and go all four wheels off. And it's not a, and it's not a penalty, but on other parts of the track it is because you gain a lasting advantage. And I think that's the thing that the stewards probably need to crack down on, isn't it? It's it's either one rule for every track that we go to and every corner we have, uh, or it's you know no rules at all if you like. Is that is that fair? Is that um, and also the other thing is, do, do you think that having the same stewards every race weekend would that help the issue? If you're the stewards every weekend, I think they'd probably be pretty burned out having the same discussions all the time. But I mean, I think it's one of these things, again, it doesn't really matter who enforces the rule. I think if it's clear enough, and I think that's what they're aiming to do. They've got, it refers, I think, article, I, I don't know which one it is for F2, but I know F1 is article 33 and F3 is article 27. So it's it's one of those like driving things and they just they just have to apply the policy. I think it's I think it's the right thing. I think... Changing the stewards won't help. Another thing that I know has come up a lot, we saw it last week, obviously, the incident with Hagar and Nassani with the sausage curves. Um, we saw, again, a GT accident this morning that was very scary. And a lot of people bring up sausage curves as a, a deterrent for, for track limits. But when you have clear rules, I think you can get away from that. If you get rid of the kind of murky lasting advantage thing, you don't need to introduce these extra elements of the track, which, as we've seen, pose a big safety hazard. So I think, I think what F2 is doing maybe it diminishes the being product, but it's ultimately one, the safest option and two, it's the most fair. So I'm, I'm pleased with the pleased with the direction it's gone. Yeah. Let's hope the rules stay the same for the rest of the season. Cause as you say, it's probably the, the best way to, to address it. Uh, moving on then, not a better, not a great day for our championship leaders, Felipe Drogovic, obviously we've said, uh, Teo Porsche as well. Logan Sargent has jumped ahead of him in the standings. Um, yeah. What, what, what are our thoughts in terms of, um, Felipe Drogovic and, and Teo Porcher, a, a, a disappointing weekend for them, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was. And I'm sure that, that they're just as disappointed. Um, you know, Felipe still has a little bit of a cushion, of course. But um, as each race goes along, if he continues to finish lower down, you know, off the podium or out of the points completely, then he will not win this championship. And, and that's, that's a mathematical uh, fact, a conclusion. So, yeah, I think that um, they started off the season really well at MP and, and so did Felipe and even Clement, you know, had had some quite good stints and some good races. Um, but they, the others have either caught them up, um, which I kind of feel like somebody like Logan has, because although the Carling car was, uh, wasn't really having any major issues 
you know, Logan put it, puts things down to his, you know, rookie mistake, his mistakes, his rookie season. And um, the more race weekends he gets under his belt, the more experience and the more he learns from those, those little mistakes that he was making, he's obviously showing us that he's, he's not making them again. And um, somebody like Logan in that sense will, will run away with this championship, you know, if they can continue to, to bring their weekend together and maximize their results on on the, the sometimes the chaos that's going on around them um because you know not not forgetting that logan didn't receive any uh, track limit warnings or violations as as far as i i can recall or remember and certainly not black and white flags and you know certainly no five second penalties so there are you know i know that, that you've just had the discussion with michael about the track limits but some drivers can keep their cars within the track limits some drivers are, are capable of of still completing laps and being able to to keep their cars within within them um so why can't they all um, you know, and, and if we were looking at tracks like Jeddah, Monaco or, or Baku, you know, that, that white line would be a, a wall. It'd be a concrete wall and it would be the end of the race. And so, you know, I totally agree that, that those track limits should need to be adhered to and the guys need to slow the cars down. Um, but there was a little bit of inconsistency as, as far as um, Frederick, you know, Vesti thought that he thought that other drivers were going off over that line but they weren't being um caught i don't know who who those were i didn't see those or you know i don't know if that was just something he thought was happening but um some drivers in formula one felt the same um that there, there were other people maybe going across that limit but not getting pulled for it or not being spotted so um i don't know that's just what other drivers are saying that's not what i saw but yeah you know it, it's all it's all, I don't know. It's all, what do you think? <laughs> These are the, the, well, 20 of the best drivers, 22 of the best drivers in the world, right? And if you set the boundaries and say that they have to stay within the white lines, they should be able to stay within the white lines, in my opinion. Uh, and at least then you've got consistency for the rest of the season. I have to say, by the way, Frederick Vesti very switched on there. The point where uh, he was following Yuri Vips on the main straight uh, and he said that Yuri Vips went off. Uh, outside the lines on the straight to keep his tyres cool uh, was, uh, yeah, very switched on. I was impressed by him uh, at that moment. Disappointing race for him. Uh, we've run all this way into the podcast without even speaking about Marcus Armstrong, our sprint race winner. Um, yeah, a weekend of, of two halves, I suppose. A, a dominating drive uh, by him um, in the sprint race. A, a lights to flag victory, Anna. Yeah, he did very well in the sprint race. I was very impressed with his speed and he just looked on it in the sprint race. Like nothing, it seemed to be nothing could stop him. And today it just all fell apart for him. Like he didn't seem to get anything go right for him today, unfortunately. And it is a shame, but he seems to have weekends like this sometimes where he'll have an amazing race and the other race it's just, he's nowhere, which is a shame, but... Hopefully he'll get all his problems sorted out and he can do well in the next few races. Yeah, I, th I think him and the high tech team were a little bit gutted about today because they started on the slick tyres and they were right in behind Richard Vashaw. So I think they felt like they could have been fighting fighting for the win again this weekend. But yeah, real shame for him. Uh, and a really nice moment in the sprint race as well, Michael. Uh, Mick Dewan on the podium giving Jack Dewan uh, the trophy after the sprint race. That was uh, yeah, a nice moment, wasn't it? It was really nice. And I, I actually asked Jack about this after the race and he told me it was, he had no idea it was happening. Um, he, 
he his dad wasn't there watching um and he he walked over apart from his father's not there he goes up he sees his dad up there he doesn't really know what it is and it's just kind of like the story that you just develops and i mean you sort of maybe in hindsight know where it's going but the thing i'm curious about is did did race like the organizers did they plan this because obviously jack had no idea but i wonder if you know mick mick sort of knew to to maybe work something out but it was it was really lovely and i know la you've talked to to mick obviously and i know it's it's great that he's so involved in in jack's career just to have that kind of person with even though he's in he's known for motorcycle racing that's where that's where he's a legend i mean he's built he's just got all this experience built up and i think he's just a great presence for for his son and it's it's wonderful to see really very heart, heartwarming yeah, very nice moment, wouldn't it? Uh, one for the one for the record books when we look back at the end of the season. Uh, LA, Ollie Caldwell, uh, P6 finish and his best result of the season. Uh, yeah, great, great result for him, right? Yeah, I think up till now, his best um, result was P13, uh, both Imola and Spain. So, you know, obviously out of the points in, in all of the races. Um, so, of course, you know, and, and he was he was barely mentioned today. I, I don't know if it was just me not tuning in or not, but but I he was just, I'm sure he didn't have a quiet race. You know, I'm sure he was overtaking everybody who must have been to get that position, uh, finished, you know, finishing in P6. But... He just didn't get much of a mention. So I didn't really have many notes on him, you know, um, but he's obviously done the right thing and got himself up to a really great points position in a very tough, tricky race. You know, he's not been handed this result on a plate. You know, he, he's earned that position um, good and proper. You know, he's kept his, his own race clean and obviously used his car and his tyres in the exact right way to finish in P6. And he's a really good guy. He's a really really nice presence he's got a great attitude and he's got a wonderful little team of people around him um you know including his his performance coach who look after him and of course he's, he's a brit so we wish him i wish him well <laughs> yeah definitely great great drive from him uh chose the right strategy um and uh yeah obviously with the the penalties meaning he gets a p6 finish great for him Okay, that's all we have time for today. My thanks to LA, to Anna and to Michael for joining me on today's show. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you give it a like, subscribe for more Formula 2 content and let us know what your thoughts are in the comments. Hashtag the F2 show to get involved in the conversation. But from me, Fraser Ford and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.